All right, name that tune. 16 times. Who was most famous for singing that? Boy, you guys, I, I don't think second service will be quite this sharp. That's awesome. Do you ever feel that way? Just think about those first couple lines. You had 16 tons, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Often we feel that way, don't we? You know, we're in the middle of this series on work, and so far we've talked about some real positive things, that work is a good thing, that you are created to work, that is part of what makes us who we are. We also said work can be such a beautiful thing that your work can actually be a worship to God Almighty. And then last week, we talked about how God has given us the, the perfect rhythm, if we just follow it, between work and rest that would bless us. But this evening, or this morning, excuse me, we got to talk about this elephant in the room. And, and that's, we got to get out of Genesis 1 and 2 and run into Genesis 3. Because in Genesis 3, a lot of things are messed up. This is Doug was just talking about, again, that chapter you know, Satan comes in, he's disguised as a snake. Isn't that interesting? And he rules over man and woman. You remember at the beginning that man and woman was to ro- rule over all the beasts of the field. And here we see the exact opposite is turned on his head. He rules over man. And they're given this two choices. There's one tree if you eat from you, you live longer. One tree if you eat from you, you live shorter. And they picked the wrong tree. And in this disobedience, this sin virus explodes, and everything is messed up. Everything is messed up. And no area more than work. In fact, let's look and see what he says to us. Let's go back to Genesis 3.14. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly, and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And then here's the, the one uh, verse of hope that Doug did such a beautiful job explaining to us. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Then to the woman, he said, I'll make your, child's, your, your pains in childbearing very severe. Sound like I was about to say, I'll make your cha- children painful. That might have been more accurate. With, with painful labor, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he'll rule over you. And then to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree that I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust are you to dust return. So, what's he saying here? Everything changed in the fall. And the truth is, life is now a mixed bag. But before this, it was complete joy. Now it's a mixed bag between fulfillment and frustration. And you found that in your life, don't you? I find that in my life. There are a lot of incredible moments of fulfillment. There are also moments of frustration. We all have this this feeling that life's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's an accurate feeling. It's not the way it's supposed to be. The Apostle Paul would put it this way. The whole world 
groans from creation. We, it groans, the earth, our bodies. We groan knowing it's not the way it ought to be. And specifically, God says the two areas that you're really going to be affected in are marriage and work. He says there's going to be a, a tension, a, a power pull between husband and wives. Anybody ever feel that? And that's why as a church, we do a, a lot of work to try to help marriages because marriages are falling. That's why we have a marriage enrichment ministry going on right now. You may want to be a part of it. Next Sunday, we'll start Financial Peace University, which is one of the, the big sources of tension in marriage. And he predicts this right here at the beginning. So specifically, marriage and work. You know, he says work, he doesn't say work is a curse any more than children are a curse, all right? Now, some of you parents might want to disagree with me there, but work is not a curse, it is simply cursed. From now on, there will be thorns and thistles. If you're a farmer, you know, everything doesn't always go your way. We've got some great farmers here today. There's going to be weeds, there's going to be thorns and thistles, there's going to be droughts, there's going to be times of flooding. I mean, it just is not consistent. If you're a hospital administrator and you come up with this great plan to make things safer around the hospital and you've got this dashboard where people can look at a page and be accountable and, 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 and make sure that everything's safe, you may present the greatest plan, but you know there'll be people who don't like any kind of change. If you're a teacher, you may have the, the best lesson plan that you've ever prepared, but can be destroyed by a misbehaving student. If you build houses and everything's going your way, and then the price of plywood triples on you overnight, it, it makes things difficult. That's the kind of life we live in. It's a mixed bag. And if we think it's going to be different, we're probably going to be disappointed. So here's the, the problem, though. The temptation is, despite knowing this, we still seek fulfillment in work and rest. Either I, you know, I live for the work week, I have that addiction that says, man, everything I accomplish, every time I mark something off, I really feel so much better. But think about it, it never quite fills you. Enough is never quite enough. No matter what you accomplish, there's always that next thing. On the other hand, some of us say, I don't work for work, I, I work for rest. I work for the weekend. That's not any good, but let me, let me find fulfillment and rest and entertainment and vacation and all those things. And, and those things are wonderful, but they're never quite as good as you probably anticipated. There's always some kind of frustration. So we make a mistake when we seek fulfillment in those things. And there's some great examples in the Bible of this. Let's start with one right back there in the, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 11 but by this point, man has got a little cocky, and he decides to build what we call the, par the, the, uh, the um, Tower of Babel, right? And just listen to, to how he gets off track. Remember, the command of God was to scatter and to fill the earth. And so we get to Babel, and they decide to stay put. Look at verse 3. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had come up with a new technology that was brilliant. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a, here's the, what we might want to underline, a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. 
Well, that's what God had asked them to do, is to be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And they decide to plop down and to build this tower and to make a name for themselves. They rebel against what God has asked them to do, and now they do what we are all tempted to do. They try to find their identity and their significance by what they can accomplish and by how they can compare themselves to what other people have accomplished. The problem is that seeking your security and significance in work is seeking to find it somewhere where only God can give it. And yet think about subconsciously, we all think, if I can just close this deal, if I could just make this sale, if I could just have this recognition, if I could just get this promotion, as a preacher, if I could just speak at this event, then I'll be happy. What is it in your life? That you say, if that happened, then I'm going to be happy. The problem is, like here with the Tower of Babel, it ends up in absolute disaster. It doesn't fulfill what you're looking for. And then example number two, and there's probably not a better example in Scripture than in the wise man in Ecclesiastes. Turn we just a moment to Ecclesiastes chapter two. I mean, he tries both. He tries to find satisfaction in pleasure, and boy, he goes overboard with it. And he tries to find satisfaction in work. And here's the wisest man who ever lived. And he finds out both of them come up very short. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I said to myself, come now, I'll test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. If you keep reading, man, this dude, he, he plants beautiful gardens, he builds incredible lakes, he's got record number of herds and flocks, he's got more silver and gold than anybody else in Jerusalem, he has singers around him entertaining him, he has a harem. He's got, as the scripture says, all the delights of man. And yet, what does he say? It's meaningless. And then on the other hand, he decides to get it out of work. So look at verse 17. So I hated my life because the work that's done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. And then he explains it more in verse 20. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who didn't toil for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. Why, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving? Well, isn't that a great description of so often how we work? Toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun. All Their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, wow, this is like written in 2023. Their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. So either way, whether you seek to go out there and you you find your identity and your joy and your happiness and pleasure, or you seek to find it in work, divorced from God, both of them come up short. 
Now, here's the great thing about the wise man in Ecclesiastes. He actually does learn. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. After he's done everything and this dude tries everything, he's got enough money at his disposal to do whatever he wants to. And here's my challenge for you today. Don't spend the rest of your life going down dead-end roads like he did. Because we can, be, we can be tricked in our culture to go down roads that are not going to fulfill us. So, oh, temporarily there'll be some pleasure, but long-term they won't. And listen to what the wise man finally concludes. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. He learned. But the problem with him compared to us, hopefully, is he learned from experience. And hopefully many of us have too. But what would be smarter, wiser on all of our parts would be simply to learn from Scripture, right? Some of you are young in here, and man, you've got this temptation. You've seen it all around you to go find your significance from what you do or significance from just having a great time. And yet they'll both come up short. So what's the biblical answer? Let me get really practical here as we start closing out this morning. I think the biblical answer is, guys, there are certain things that we need to lower our expectations about. And there are other things that we need a higher expectation for, okay? So I hope you're taking notes to write this down. First of all, we need to expect work to be difficult. Even the best jobs on the planet have challenges. You know, you see so many people searching for the perfect job. And I'm not saying that you might not need to go look for a job. We'll talk about some things in the next few weeks that may say, you know, I'm not in the right fit. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But on the other hand, if you think you're going to find a utopia at work, if you think you're going to find a job that there's going to be no difficulties and no challenges, I would just tell you those jobs don't exist. So you, you've got to just expect that there's going to be some difficulty. And I think some of our, our younger generations, we're, we're worse at this. You know, my, my parents' generation, if you could just make a living and you just brought the bacon home, that, that was enough. There was not a high expectation that work was supposed to be this incredible fulfilling. Now, through my generation and even younger generations, not only do we want to make some money, but we also do want it to be fulfilled. And I don't think that's all bad. Probably one generation had too low of an expectation of work, and we probably today have too high of an expectation from work. But somewhere in the middle, we've got to lower their, that expectation that it is going to completely fulfill me. There's not going to be a utopia. Now, I see so many people complain about their jobs because there's a difficult part of their job. Every job has a difficult part. I mean, there are lots of things that, that I do that I absolutely love, have no sense. There are other things that, man, I've got to grind through it. And I'm sure you do the same in your job. Now, how else should you lower your expectation? Expect comparison to be discouraging. Ever since the Tower of Babel, people have tried to build the tallest building in the world. And it changes every few years. But the truth is, Whenever you're comparing yourself to other people, it's not going to fulfill you. Because no matter how smart you are, how gifted, how charismatic, how hard a worker you are, here's the deal. There's always going to be somebody out there better. 
And, and, and if that's the way you're seeking your fulfillment, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come up short. And here, here's the problem today is not only is there somebody out there better, but they're posting on social media every day so you know they're better, right? And so, guys, comparison, comparison is such a, a bad thing when it comes to your job. Because, again, there'll, there'll be somebody who will come up better. And here, so here's what God's going to say. We'll talk about this more the next what you, what you need to be is the best version of you. You don't need to compare yourself to somebody else who's in your same profession. You just need to do, you need to be who God created you to be and be the best at that. And you're going to, you're going to spare yourself a lot of heartache. Man, I know as a preacher, man, I mean, you always, man, you go speak at a workshop and you know what everybody's going to do when they get in the car. They're going to talk about who is the best speaker. They're going to rank them. Try to not listen to those conversations. But you know, though, that's what I do. And so get away from comparison. Also, expect success to be temporarily fulfilling. So even if you do achieve your goal, honestly, even if you could be the best in your profession, it's never quite as good as you expected it. Even if you get what you wanted, you'll probably find out it's not what you really needed. There are euphoric moments. You ought to enjoy it. When you achieve something, you ought to do exactly what God did. You ought to stop at the end of creation and celebrate. I'm not saying you don't enjoy those moments. But here's what I am saying today. Don't expect too much out of those moments. Don't expect that to last forever. Because they don't. Man, if, you know, when I was a young preacher, if someone could have told me the kind of church I'm preaching for today, the kind of worship I get to experience every Sunday, the kind of people I get to be around, the kind of leadership we have in this church, the kind of growth we're experiencing, I would have told you, man, Buddy Bell will be completely happy because in my wildest dreams as a 20-something-year-old preacher, I would have never dreamed of something this good. But you know what? If my happiness is based on what happens in this church, it can come up short. It just never quite gives what it promises. And you know that in your job. You might be the best job you've ever had doing exactly what you wanted to do, but those euphoric moments are temporary. Now, here's the good news for us this morning. There is something good about the curse. Why did God allow that to happen? Because the curse drives us to God. If not for the curse, we would probably try to find our fulfillment in rest or work or family and not God. But the curse pushes me toward God. I mean, let's go back to Genesis one more time. And in some ways this sounds negative, but in other ways, if you think a little deeper about it, this is a beautiful moment. In the middle of Adam and Eve and their tremendous fall and rebellion against God, guess who shows up? Look at Genesis 3. Let's start in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They were used to that. But this time they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? You think God knew where they were? Absolutely. 
He just wants them to be honest. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Everything's changed. In chapter 2, they were naked and unashamed. Now they're ashamed. And he asked, who told you that you were naked? And God says exactly what he already knew. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the, the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The blame game starts. But here's the good news here. The good news is that God shows up right in the middle. God doesn't just write them off. So here's some areas that you need to hire your expectations. Expect God to meet you in your mess. He came to Adam and Eve after their greatest failure. Often, guys, we expect to meet God where we go to meet God. You know, I mean, I hope this morning you walked in these doors expecting in some special way to meet God. Or you have your morning Bible study and prayer time and you, you have an expectation of meeting God. Or you go on some incredible retreat. That, that's legitimate. You expect to meet God. But here's the good news I'm telling you this morning. Also, we should expect to see God where we least expect to see God. God will meet you not just in what we think are these sacred places. God will meet you everywhere. He'll meet you in that meeting in the office that's full of tension. And you need some peace. He'll meet you when your job is spiraling out of control. He'll meet you in that biology class that you think you'll never be able to pass. He'll meet you in that loss on the playing field. He'll meet you when the plan that you've worked so hard and presented to your boss is rejected. See, he will meet you even in the job you happen to hate. So guys, here's where you hide. Expect God in those difficult places. Now, I've heard that lesson over and over this week. Um, went Thursday night to um, Faulkner Benefit Dinner, and Billy did an incredible job running that thing. And Drew Brees was absolutely amazing. And, and he gave this story of his life. I've never followed him closely. Don't follow the NFL real closely. But, oh, my goodness. I mean, all the things he's overcome from high school to college to pro where he's always doubted. And yet he was able to say in his lesson that night as he was interviewed, the most difficult points were the greatest blessings in my life. Because in those blessings... That's where I really learned. And guys, I'm telling you, one reason God has allowed the fall to happen, because in those difficult moments, that's exactly where you can meet God. So that was an amazing night. Only bad part of it is they tried to make some Church of Christ people dance. <laughs> and you know what that looks like. We just don't dance real well, do we? Um, and then later in the week, Stephanie and I started this Netflix special. Anybody watch the Blue Zone? Okay. Uh, it's, thank you, Brenda. We'll have to get together and talk about that later. Um, it's this special about where are the places on the face of the earth where people live the longest, where there's just a percentage of people that, that live to over 100 just mind-blowing. And they look through this special to five different places. It's really pretty fascinating. But this was the most interesting thing. Almost every place they looked at was mountainous. And part of what they said made people live longer was they had to climb up and down the mountain all the time. 
It, it was just a, you know, when you got a hundred year old people having to walk, you know, way down here, way up here to go to church every day, some of them. So that, that contributed to their longevity. And most every place on the earth, were, were, they weren't rich places. They, they were places where you had to work hard. There were places where there was almost nothing called retirement. They, they were just, but here was the same point. The same point is in the difficulty was why they achieved not just lower rates of cholesterol, hardly any diabetes, um, very little dementia. But it was part of the stress that got them there. So have a higher expectation that in those difficult spots, God's going to meet you. And then that's number two is expect God to meet you at work and rest. When you go to work and you work hard, expect God to be in the middle of that. When you take that Sabbath break, expect God to be in both of those places. Don't let your identity come from what you're doing or where you happen to be in the moment. Let it come from whose you are. And then third point here is expect God to meet you in paradise restored. Because we're a part of a grand story. In the last few weeks, we've been at the beginning of the story where so many things are set in place. From the beauty of work, to work being worship, to the challenge of work being difficult. But it's part of a grand story that says eventually paradise will be restored. Guys, the story of God ends where it began. If you read Revelation closely about heaven, heaven is the restoration of the paradise that was first at the beginning, where everything is made right. I love what Tim Keller says this in his book about work. We know that our work in this life is not the final word. It's not. So we said this in a series earlier in this year about the story. We trust the story. Yes, your work may be very frustrating right now. You may be looking for a job right now. You may be feeling like it's 16 tons and you're deeper in debt. But the truth is, this is not the end of the story. The end of the story will be paradise restored. And so the reason we can live in hope and reason we can even endure difficult situations in life, specifically in work, even maybe in marriage, is that we know in the long run, it's going to be paradise. We trust the story. I don't know where you are right now in your life with your personal satisfaction and joy, but my challenge for you this morning is to trust this story. That's why we started here at the beginning, even about work, because in the long run, we know it's a grand story that's leading somewhere. All your work and frustration is not futile. It's leading you to paradise with God. And he's molding you and me right now through the good parts of our life and even through the bad parts of our life. God, is that good? So can I ask you a question here? Are you learning these lessons? Are you like Solomon, going to learn this? But can I challenge you to be better than Solomon? You don't have to try it all before you learn it. Some of you younger people that are listening to me today, some of us have just, we've gone down a lot of dead ends in our life. But you've probably got some people around you who haven't, who've been wise enough and godly enough and trusted the story enough that they've not tried to find their fulfillment in work or in play. 
See, guys, I feel like we're probably more tempted today to find it in play. I think we have this misconception that my life would really be great if I could just line up enough fun events. And that's why we're running our families ragged, if I can be quite frank here. Just trying to get from one thing to another, thinking somehow this is going to fill my children, going to fill me. I'm not opposed to any of those things, guys. But I'm telling you, if they're going to come up short... And you could, you could line up fun events for the rest of your life, and they're not going to fulfill you. They need to be, yeah, you need fun events. Yes, you need pleasurable moments. Yes, you need rest. But they've got to be in balance. So let me ask this question. Do you need to change your expectations? Let's go on two slides from here. Do you need to change your expectations? Maybe you today are honest enough to say, I've expected way too much from work. I keep thinking it's going to finally get me there. And even when I achieve my goal, it's, it doesn't quite live up to billing. Or maybe, on the other hand, you're thinking, man, if I can just live for the weekend and live for retirement and one day sort of lay all this beside me, then I'm going to be, no, it's not ever going to quite be there. But see, maybe you need to lower some of these expectations from what the world has told you would really fulfill you, and you need to higher your expectation of, you know, whatever's going on, even the middle of my worst mess, even the middle of the fall of mankind, guess who shows up? God. So this morning, if you need to confess that, I love that about this church. There's room for you to say, you know what? My expectations have just been out of whack and I'm coming up short. And I need you to pray for me. Or maybe this morning you can't put your finger on it. But you do feel deeply today that you're living in a fallen world. You see, guys, I think that's one of our problems. We've Theologically, we've not spent enough time in the fall. Because this is a fallen world. Now, did Jesus come to restore that and change that? Yes, and we're a part of that. We begin to restore paradise right now and what we do. But until he comes back, guys, it's still never going to be quite right. And if you're walking through life waiting for it to get right, you're going to be disappointed. But if you can understand that and meet God in the middle of this, and anticipate a day when everything will be right, oh my goodness, then you can have some peace even right now. So if we need to, to pray for you, if we need to minister to you today, this, this place is a wide open place. And I think we found out over the last few weeks that this issue of work is a big deal. And so if you need the prayers of the church today, or today you want to just decide, you know what, I've been going down all the wrong dead ends, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Meet me here on this front row while we stand and sing.